This is an AMI podcast. Before experiencing my vision loss in 2013, anxiety was a term that I knew, but I did not understand. Despite growing up with vision loss and what some may consider significant vision problems, for the most part, I handled it all very well. I was knowledgeable and cautious, yet confident in my treatment, and I had assured myself that if I just kept doing what I was doing, likely no significant eye drama would ensue. Perhaps I had an unrealistic expectation of what my future had in store for me. Regardless, I was balanced. My emotions were totally in check, and stress never overran me. That was right up until 2013, when life threw something at me that was just too big for me to catch. I'm Becky Zarr, and this is The Blind Reality. Flashing back to the hospital in 2013, when I had experienced my global rupture in my one-sided eye, all of my days just ran into each other, and I was quite commonly being called to the eye center to be seen by one ophthalmologist or another. I recall shifting from the hospital bed into yet another wheelchair that would whisk me away to another appointment. By this point, the staff had totally given up on offering me a porter, and instead, they just started handing my chart to my husband and simply telling him the time that I would be seen. Feeling helpless, I remember telling my husband that I could at least hold my chart for him as he seamlessly navigated our way through the cool hospital halls. Physically, I was totally there, but mentally, my mind was totally focused on what was to come. Somehow I was trying to prepare myself for something that I had absolutely no control over. That out of control feeling has always made my heart skip a beat. But this time, I was in a situation that I was not going to be able to see my way out of on my own. I was 100% reliant on everybody else and my mind reminded me, it kind of kept heckling me that I was still missing Dr. Garcia, a key piece to my puzzle. Awkwardly, my faith and trust had to be placed in the hands of professionals that did not have the details of my medical history ingrained in their minds. I didn't have a moment to transition into their care. I didn't have the opportunity to research them and gain an understanding of who they were as a person, how they were perceived by their colleagues, or even what their specific area of expertise was. In so many ways, I was simply going into all of this completely blind. Feeling beaten up and not like myself, my only opportunity that I had to navigate myself successfully out of this situation was to step directly into all of the unknowns, a place I was certainly not comfortable being. As Brad and I continued to make our way to yet another appointment, my thoughts were abruptly interrupted by my husband's voice. What are you doing? 
I hesitated for a moment before I answered him, unsure if my husband was actually talking to me or somebody who was around us. Brad repeated his question again. Becky, what are you doing? The wheelchair came to an abrupt halt. Immensely confused, I replied to him, Nothing. What do you mean? He said, You're shaking. Are you okay? I sat there for a moment, unaware of my own body's movements. The rattling of my feet, rapidly shaking against the footrest, is what initially caught my attention. It was rhythmic and completely involuntary. Next, I noticed my hands, all the way up to my bent elbows, they were resting on the arms of the wheelchair. They were shaking in a very similar way. I said to Brad, I don't know what's going on. I can't stop it. I'm not cold, and I'm pretty sure I'm not having a seizure. My voice then trickled off as I said, I'm nervous. Still unable to control my body's rapid shaking, I then joined my hands together in attempts of slowing the shaking and minimizing the visual display of my true emotions. My husband's voice, calm and steady, lightly whispered, You're okay. I'm right here. As the days progressed, the appointments continued to be frequent. And I really did appreciate all of the care and attention that this unknown team of ophthalmologists were providing to me. I did feel confident in the care that I was receiving, yet no matter how hard I tried, the shaking would return as we made our way to each appointment. While I was in the hospital, I never really spoke to anybody besides my husband about my overflowing emotions and my newfound feeling of anxiousness. I really don't think that it would have surprised anybody considering the circumstances. A few days after being at home, I got a call and Dr. Garcia was back and he wanted to see me. Eagerly, we arrived at the hospital and I was once again being pushed through the hospital halls. Despite my shaking hands, racing heart and rapid breathing, something felt different. I had a recognizable lump in my throat as we got closer. I quietly realized that this was the same feeling that I got when I was about to talk to somebody who I was very close to about something that really upset me. Dr. Garcia had always been there and I knew I needed him now more than ever. 30 years is a long time to have anybody in your life who's not technically family. And if you're going to develop a 30-year-plus relationship with somebody, you better hope that you really like them and respect that individual. Because under some terms, 30 years is considered punishment. For me, 30 years has meant that Dr. Garcia in one way or another, has been in my life as I've maneuvered my way through so many of life's milestones. We were introduced when I was just a child. I transitioned through high school, nursing school, and into adulthood. 
He was part of my life when I got married, when I was pregnant, and when I became a parent myself. His amazing wife held my infant son through so many of my eye examinations. Amongst those life milestones, he was the one that repaired my retina when it teared when I was 16. He was the one that diagnosed me at the age of 21 with a vitreous haze in my one-sided eye. I was completely devastated when my vision dropped down at that time to 2080. I temporarily had to hang up my keys and step back from nursing school. I took a year off of nursing school not knowing if I'd ever be able to return or if my nursing career would be over even before it started. Dr. Garcia meticulously fostered the return of my eyesight back to a functional 20 over 50. That was my first true glimpse into what my life might be like or could be like with profound vision loss. Looking back, it certainly is ironic the foreshadowing that takes place in life. Over 30 years, any little fluctuation or change or slight complication, he was the one that was always there. The amount of trust and respect that I have for him is completely indescribable. For so many decades, he was the captain of my team, and it felt like he had recently sat out a couple really scary innings, but he was now back in the game. I took a deep breath as we approached Dr. Garcia's office. My hands were no longer shaking. My breathing had totally steadied, and I had a small smile on my face. I innately knew at that moment that I was going to be okay. I've always thought of my group of healthcare experts as a team. And let's be honest, with my eye, it's most definitely a team event that they were all participating in. Whether you look at it from the perspective of a hockey game, a baseball game, or even like a relay race. Where the person that goes before you, their actions directly impact the next guy that they're about to hand the baton off to. But regardless of the sport, it's easy to see that the success in the end is directly dependent on all the individual efforts as well as their collaboration as they work towards achieving one end goal. I recognize that despite my personal lack of athletic skills, I've been extremely lucky to be part of such an amazingly skilled team that's been led by one extraordinary team captain. Over the years, I began to realize that Dr. Garcia's office has an atmosphere unique to its own. I mean, obviously, Dr. Garcia is the best, but the people that worked for him in my perspective, are what elevated his office to a whole new level. As I arrived for each appointment, I was always greeted by name. And as the years progressed, I got to know his staff even better. And to each other, we became people with lives, families, and interests. At most of my appointments, yeah, there was a wait. And some clients chose to grumble and complain. But 
I decided to use this time to have conversations and get to know the amazing ladies who worked for Dr. Garcia. As I grew up, I always looked forward to those conversations while I waited because it was an opportunity to catch up on each other's lives. They knew about the parts of my life that were not in the chart. Over the years, some of the ladies moved on to different opportunities and somebody new would step into the job and in time, they would become part of those conversations. Sylvia, Lori, Mary, Carrie, Tina, and Shannon, thank you. Thank you for making waiting my turn enjoyable. And thank you for going above and beyond. The very first day that I was admitted to the hospital after I had experienced my global rupture, I had two very special visitors that arrived at my bedside. Two of Dr. Garcia's staff came to check on me. It most definitely was not part of their job, but rather they came because they cared, because of the blurred lines, and we had placed each other under the title of friend. And in addition, I received a phone call at home from one of his former staff wanting to check in on me, to offer me support, rides, or a shoulder if I needed it. Both of these gestures were very much appreciated. And despite the time that has lapsed between then and now, those gestures have definitely not been forgotten. The day that I got some sight back when I was walking out of Dr. Garcia's office, the ladies were all standing in breathless anticipation. They were trying so hard to be professional and go on with business as usual with all of the other clients that filled the waiting room. But when I stepped out of his examining room door and looked at them with a blurred gaze and the biggest smile on my face, they met me with hugs and tears flowing from their eyes. I realized in time, great people surround themselves with other great people. And I was admittedly a little bit slow putting pieces of the puzzle together. I think it honestly took me a couple of years to connect the dots that one of the sweetest, kindest, nurturing and motherly ladies that worked at Dr. Garcia's office was actually his wife. I remember being so happy when I finally made that connection. It totally made sense. As individuals, they were both remarkable. And together, they are a couple that I am extremely honored to have in my life. Over nearly three decades, Dr. Garcia has taught me so much. My mind has taken in his words like a sponge, trying to soak up as much of his wisdom as I possibly can. And I remember as a teenager, he spoke to me about the early visible signs that may indicate that there's a problem with a person's retina. It turns out I'm actually a fairly decent student. When I was 16, I noticed a bright flash of light for an unexplained reason. So I sought out his opinion and it turned out that I had a small tear in my retina. The second time that I noticed something different that may indicate a problem with the retina was in January of 2014. 
five months after my global rupture and only three short months after I was able to regain a small amount of eyesight. I knew my eye was still unstable and a retina complication at this time was not ideal. Keep in mind that my vision is patchy and rather limited, so I do consider myself really lucky to have picked up on any warning sign. One day, I was standing in our walk-in pantry and I noticed a black lacy appearance to the top of my remaining peripheral vision. My stomach turned and I did not want to admit what I already knew was potentially happening. A few short hours later, when I was sitting in Dr. Garcia's waiting room, that black lacy image had transitioned. It now felt like I had a baseball hat on with a black brim that was slowly being lowered like a top-down curtain that was closing over my eye. Within moments, Dr. Garcia confirmed what we were all hoping was not happening. My retina had partially detached, requiring an immediate surgical repair. Before he stepped out of his examining room to make a call, he turned to me and asked, Have you eaten anything today? I replied, Just a muffin. And I knew precisely what he meant. I was heading for surgery once again. As he stood in his office, making a necessary phone call, I remember hearing the beginning of a conversation that turned out to be rather tense. The hospital at that time was experiencing an issue, and it correlated to having a reduced number of operating rooms available. The door closed tightly mid-conversation, and to this day, I don't know how the conversation precisely went, but what I am confident in is that Dr. Garcia was advocating for me to have that much-needed surgery. He came out of his office and returned to the examining room. Facing me, he said that I will be having that surgery today. He just wasn't precisely sure of the exact time yet. I'm not sure what words he had spoken in order to get my name onto that OR list, but I am so appreciative of him standing up for me once again. I knew that walking away with any eyesight after experiencing a partial retina detachment was slim, and I knew that with my eye in the condition it was in was a long shot, but I also knew that it was a step that had to be taken. Dr. Garcia told me that I could head home and wait for his call to inform me of what time I needed to be back at the hospital for my pending surgery. I vividly remember the ride home. It was terrible. I was trying to be optimistic, but I knew the odds were not stacked in my favor. And honestly, all I wanted to do was see my son. I wanted to see him and fill up my heart with as many images as possible to keep me company, just in case. When Bennett made it home from preschool, I soaked up every drop of him that I possibly could while he obliviously went on with his day. 
I don't know how Dr. Garcia pulled it off, but he once again made it happen. He gave me the gift of being able to see my son and my family once again. They say loyalty can be defined as giving or showing constant allegiance. For me though, loyalty is not created overnight or by a single encounter. It's more so formed by a combination of time and trust. It's pretty easy to see that I am most definitely loyal to Dr. Garcia. I now sheepishly admit that I was initially skeptical when my pediatric ophthalmologist first referred me to Dr. Garcia. I was a kid. I knew nothing, but I was comfortable. Dr. Romanchuk didn't let comfort blur his perspective, though. He relied on his professional knowledge and judgment, and he decided to pass the baton on to Dr. Garcia, who accepted it with poise, confidence, and a wealth of expertise. The words thank you seem so small in relation to the amount of gratitude, admiration, and respect that I hold towards you, Dr. Garcia. But thank you. Thank you for continuing to be there. And thank you for taking time away from your precious family to help mine. Today, I'm extremely happy to introduce my next guest. It is very much an honor and privilege to have him join me for a conversation. I'm excited to introduce yet another one of my personal heroes. I'm pleased to welcome the amazingly talented Dr. Raul Garcia. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Becky, for having me. It's an honor to be able to participate in your podcast that I have been following. My first question is, why did you decide to specialize in the area of the retina? Well, I was very lucky to be training at the University of Toronto. I had a couple of very good mentors that did retina work in Toronto when I was there. So I decided that I wanted to do something similar. And that was the reason. I had uh, two people that really were very important for me in my training. Within your amazing career, what are you most proud of that you've had the opportunity to participate in or be part of? Well, I think I have been very fortunate to be in Regina and to work with uh, an amazing group of uh, colleagues that they are not only colleagues, they are friends and uh, that have different areas of interest within ophthalmology. And uh, it's a unique group of people that have been working together for many years that has allowed us to provide the best possible service to the patients because we, each one of us, do a different part of the eye, basically. And uh, we respect each other in what we do and we work together, um, provide, as I said, the best service that we can. I mean, as you know, over the years, I've had the opportunity to be seen by many of your colleagues. And I just have to say how unique it is, how cohesively everybody on your guys' team works together. It's really amazing. So my next question is, what excites you about the future of ophthalmology? Technology. I think I have witnessed uh, the development of amazing uh, instruments that has allowed us to do things that we couldn't do before from different type of scans to 
very sophisticated microscopes to pieces of equipment that uh, allow us to do a lot more than what we used to. And um, I think I would expect that to continue to expand. And I'm pretty sure that what we will see will be as amazing as has been so far, the development of new technologies for us. And my last question for you is, I've been a client of yours for many, many years. And I'm just wondering, do you happen to have any memories of me from during this time that you would be willing to share? Yes, of course. Like, you know, Becky, I, when you came to see me, you were 10, <laughs> 10 years old. So time has gone by very quickly. And um, I have always um, found you to be excellent, even when you were a kid, when you were 10 years old, you were mature. You understood what was happening. You were respectful, even though, as you know, we, many times we were not on time. So you were very patient to, to wait and to be seen. And you have been always very grateful for, for whatever has been able to, to accomplish with you. And also, you have been always extremely mature and you have taught me a lot. Uh, you have uh, done extremely well in situations of adversity and you have overcome all kinds of obstacles. And on top of everything else, you're a mom and uh, you're a wife and, and you seem to do everything well. And that brings us to the end of this episode of The Blind Reality. I'd like to thank my amazing team captain, Dr. Raul Garcia, for all of his knowledge and expertise that he's lent to me over the years, and for taking time from his busy day to come and have a chat with me today. As always, I'd like to thank my family for their continued love and support. This episode was written and produced by me, Becky Zar. Technical production was provided by AMI-audio's Nasreen Abdel-Majid, and the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Remember, until next time, if you need a hand, get it. If you can give a hand, give it. Thanks for listening.